in the air again. Western Terrace again. Six again. Is it six and Western Terrace or Western Terrace? You've absolutely butchered it. I mean, you shit at cricket. It sounds really nice on the stump line. There won't be any bias in this podcast. I now can't forward this to any of my friends. The View from the Western Terrace with Luca and Coxie. Hello and welcome to a new episode of The View from the Western Terrace. Um, Much has changed. We are recording our first episode in 2022 it's a new series we um have a new logo which we are looking forward to uh bringing to our very loyal listeners but one thing has remained the same no matter where he is in the world my good friend and co-host charlie cox hey your boy how you doing i'm very well thank you mate and excited to be back on the pod for a new year and a new season um new season yeah, it's going to be a slightly more long range, but we've Shit. always been uh, we've always been set up for that with the old Zoom calls, so it shouldn't be a problem. And looking forward to getting some more content out this year. Absolutely, I mean, for the listeners, for the thousands of listeners that aren't in our phone books, um, go on, tell 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 the listeners where you are. What's what's been going on, and, and give us a give us a synopsis. I am currently in Vancouver, on Canada's Pacific coast. I've been here for about a month, or just over a month now, having moved over in January on a on a little two-year visa for a bit of an adventure with Megan, of course. And yeah, we're settling into to our to our new surroundings. Uh, we've got a flat just uh, near the sea. Um, with a view of with a view of some mountains, so yeah, settling in and enjoying enjoying the new surroundings so far. It sounds amazing, and everything I've heard from you so far is um, very exciting. New pastures and all that. Um, obviously, the the bikes got boxed up. The bikes made it. the uh, The Ridley the Ridley got over there. So you've still been pounding away. The bikes made it over here. Is actually. We had a quarantine when we arrived, and I spent a, l- a large portion of that time trying to put both bikes back together with <laughs> varied success. But ultimately, both were rideable, and neither of us have died riding them since. So I call that success. I think honestly, that's honestly spent hours and hours with one aspect of it, which I won't bore everyone with. And something probably very simple is when you're struggling with an issue for many hours and the YouTube video about how to fix it is like a minute long and you're thinking <laughs> something, yeah, that, something here is, is not right. That uh, hurts. I mean, my, my bike's been upside down without the back wheel on for, for all winter for the last seven months. And, yeah. and without you being around, who knows if the wheels are even going to get on this summer. Oh, well, um, I'm sure they'll, they'll be out here before long, mate. I'm looking forward to getting you out here for sure. Yeah, no, I can't wait. It's, uh, it's, it's such an exciting adventure. And I think we'll try and we'll definitely venture into a little bit more what you're doing in podcasts to come. Um, but for today, we were going to focus primarily 
on the old Six Nations, probably our favourite. Well, we, we often have this debate. What is our favourite competition in the sporting calendar? We've, we sometimes go test cricket. Yeah, there's, for me, there's no real competition. Oh, go on. I think, I think as, a, as, a, as a tournament, you cannot beat the Six Nations. I think it, uh, we've been through this before, but the it way, the, 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 the sort of the history between all the nations, the, the contrasting cities where all the matches take place, the rivalries, it's just, it is rugby in the Northern Hemisphere, isn't it? And I think the Southern Hemisphere teams wish that their competition had the same enthusiasm in terms of the following and the the amount of the amount of other, uh, the amount of fo- uh, away fans that can get into each game just make it pretty unique yeah. so um it's, yeah, it's, it's such a brilliant it's such a brilliant festival of rugby and actually what i mean it's all quite interesting at the moment with south africa trying to find their way in and who knows what's going to happen with that with the way obviously they've become involved in northern hemisphere rugby domestically um and who knows if they if they come and join but we're not going to have that discussion today. We are going to stick to the the current the current uh, fixtures. So, just for a bit of context, we are coming to you um, after round three. So, each team's played three matches. As it stands, France at top, having won all three games. Um, I think all three games with a bonus point. Yeah, all three games with a bonus point. So they are absolutely hammering it, which is. I think for every every fan of rugby, everyone likes to see a strong French team. Um, Ireland are in second, having won two out of three. England are in third, also having won two out of three, but just having one less bonus point. Then you've got Scotland and Wales having both won one game um, in very differing circumstances. We'll come on to that later. And then Italy, um, once again, find themselves at the foot of the table which is always quite sad to see because it's it's no fun. It's no fun bagging a team year in, year out. But we will also come on to them and you never know. The, the coming weeks might bring something exciting. So we've got two rounds of fixtures left. Um, how have you been following it from from Canada, Charles? How's it, how's it been? Have you managed to find a little Irish pub? What's been going on? Yeah, it's been a little bit of a challenge to follow it. I've probably watched less than I have in previous years for sure. I've managed to watch a good amount. I've, I've watched all the England games. I haven't watched, I didn't wish, watch the England-Italy game because it's never that You've interesting. Got to for it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've been trying to keep up with it. Um, there's, a, there's a solid community of rugby fans out here. And obviously, like everywhere else in the world, there are Irish pubs willing to serve you pints at nine o'clock in the morning. I haven't actually yet indulged, but I think potentially England, Ireland, just after Paddy's day, or just before, just before? No, I, think, I, think it, I think it is, uh, yeah, it's just before. The final weekend is just before Paddy's day. Sorry, just after Paddy's day. I think Paddy's day, St. Patrick's Day is the 17th, 18th I of think March? it is the 17th. Is the 18th of March? I think it's 17th. the 17th. Okay. That's bad. That's We've done some research. Yeah, we've not done that key bit. Um, Irish heritage as well, mate. Wow. Yeah, all from me. Sorry, guys. Um, but yeah, I, I will, I'll probably be sampling the, uh, the delights of the Irish pub for that game. But yeah, it's been, it's been entertaining. I think just re- listening to you read out that table, 
you'd probably say if you had to predict the standings at this stage in the tournament prior, that would that that kind of stacks up. You know, France clear yeah, favourites, Ireland, if not second favourites, then certainly you know competing with England for second and third, and then you know we. I guess Scotland have disappointed, probably. I mean, that's surprising to say that after they beat England, but they haven't been able to back that up, which has been a little yeah. bit of their problem recently. And then Wales, you never know if they're going to somehow kind of perform better than expected, as it, like, like last year. But this year, they seem to be missing probably a bit of Alan Wynne-Jones yeah, um, and just sadly have fallen away a bit. Sadly, mm, I'm not that sad. Yeah, who knows? I think I think it's interesting. I think coming off the back of the autumn, there was a lot of optimism about Northern Hemisphere rugby, just surrounding the fact that obviously France and Ireland both both beat uh, New Zealand. England obviously beat world champion South Africa, um, and and made Australia look frankly quite silly. Um, and I think you know coming into the championship, there was there was an air of anyone can beat anyone, which is which is exactly what you want, really, coming into, as we've already described, the best the best festival of rugby on the planet. Um, but I would say, I would, I would agree with you, a few games in, I think England have maybe faltered in terms of getting stuck in a bit of a monotonous, monotonous brand of rugby. They're not, they've not really clicked into gear, which is such a shame because... You know, we've banged the drum for a long time that we want to see a sort of change of the guard. We'd love to see people like Marcus Smith at the helm. We'd love to see people like Alex Dombrandt involved. But it still feels like at the moment that that England structure, whatever's going on there, however they're being coached, however they're being told to play, is almost shackling those players. Um, I thought it spoke volumes at the weekend that they needed to beat, um, you know, they beat Wales kicking six penalties and getting outscored in tries three to one like that. It's not, it's not the brand of rugby anyone wants to see from England. Um, and I think, yeah, I think, I think that is a real problem. Um, and I think, and well, I've got a few theories on the matches to come, which we'll come on to later. Um, but I don't know. I, I mean, coming to an England fan, which is yourself, definitely not myself. Um, what what have you made of what you have been able to see? Like, have you enjoyed watching them, or is it is it back to the humdrum of old? I think it's um, they're in between. It seems like they're they're caught in between a couple of a couple of almost like I guess we don't we didn't expect to be in a transition phase because there's a lot of familiar faces, but it certainly looks like it, and I wonder whether. We wanted so Eddie Jones wanted to pick some new, you know, introduce some new players to the team, but I don't think he necessarily wanted to introduce as many as he has done. So, for example, I think Marcus Smith was always going to get a run, but the plan would have been to play him alongside Owen Farrell. He's obviously been out, and similarly, for example, Stewart, you know, secured himself a place in the autumn but probably would have been expecting to play next to Johnny May, someone who's been there, done it for a few years, been one of our best players. And I think Max Malins has been brilliant, but suddenly you've got Malins and Stewart who are both new to the, new to the team. You've also got yeah. an, another new centre partnership, which seems to change you know, every, every couple of matches, which again is a little bit unlucky. 
but it does seem like it does seem like suddenly a very different team. That's before you even, you know you get into the forward pack with a new yeah. a new number eight. The back row seems to chop and change a lot. It's it, we're not quite sure what our best team is and what the best combination is, but we we've got good enough players to still win games. So yeah, I'm definitely. kind of think- yeah. I'm 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 not I'm not too downbeat about it, but. I, um, you know, for example, if you look at those two games to come, I can't see us winning both and I can't see us losing both. Yeah. Um, which is, I don't know what that means, but um, basically we don't look settled and I, you can't guarantee how we're going to perform week on week, it seems. Yeah, I think, I think it's quite a shame. I think the thing I've thought about England the last couple of weeks and, and I, I definitely thought it the weekend against Wales is, they off the back of they almost surprised everyone with the autumn. Like you, you look at Australia and South Africa in your autumn, and you're thinking, ah, it's not that's not an easy that's not an easy run of fixtures. Because I know Australia ended up travelling with a pretty diminished side and and were and were fairly poor. But South Africa, world champions, regard wherever you play them, that's going to be a hard game. They but they almost went through went for this sort of high octane style rugby which Eddie Jones has kind of preached in the past like go out start quick out the blocks you know from minute one against South Africa to Alangi scored that brilliant try in the corner you were getting the ball in Stewart's hands you were getting the ball in Malin's hands and it was like poor bloody like as in if you use these players these players are brilliant and you know that was echoed by my fantasy team choices like I you know gave gave Malin's the nod um, and if I'm honest, I've, I've regretted it every day since. Um, but I think that is because they've almost they've almost got that. They've been G'd up to the point where it's kind of like, oh, no, yeah, they've beaten the world champions. They've had this brilliant autumn. And then that expectation has ultimately resulted in in almost like flattery. And they've not quite they've not quite delivered what they wanted. I mean, I I thought they were I actually thought they were quite lucky on. Uh, on Saturday to play a pretty depleted Welsh side. Um, I, th- I think they ended up on the right side of the referee, which when you have players like Atoje, Curry, Laws, you need days like that. You need to you need to end up on the right side of the ref. Um, they did. They got a load of penalties. I personally think if I was going to look forward, and I know we'll speak about it in a bit, I don't think that's going to happen against Ireland. I think when you look at that back, their back row, if they stick with Curry, Laws, Dombram, and Itoje, I think Ireland are probably going to line up Doris, Conan, um, Van der Fleer, and then they've got Byrne, who's very much in like that similar ball-stealing mould as Itoje. So they've got four big ball winners as well, and I, I, I don't think it's going to fly. I think, if I'm honest, I think, you know, I don't want to say it because it's going to jinx it, but um, I think they could get thumped by Ireland. I really do, um, judging on that performance at the weekend. Um, and nailed your colours to the mast there. I like that. Yeah, I just, I just think, I just don't see any way like there that England against Wales are capitalising on, like you know, being quicker to the breakdown. Like there was a few times in the first half where a, you know Cuthbert carried, slipped tackle, got isolated, got turned over. Brilliant from Atoje, brilliant from Curry, brilliant from Laws. It's not going to happen against Ireland. The Ireland pack's too good. Um, They'll be on that. They'll 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 watch that. Andy Farrell of all people will watch that. He'll know that. 
I don't think they're going to get that jump. I think you're not going to get two weeks on the ref's right side. It's just, it just doesn't happen in Test rugby. Um, and I think they'll struggle. Um, I think their whole thing as well at the moment with England is that you've got people like Harry Randall, which I think is really exciting. He made a really exciting start. I think Don Brandt is absolutely mustard. I think Don Brandt's so good. Um, same as same as what I think about Smith. And I really hope they, they're in that position for a long time. But they've now got this bizarre role. I said this to you. Um, I said this to you before we started the pod. Like they're in this bizarre situation where I just think their bench is junk. I honestly, I like. I don't dislike the players on it. I don't dislike the blokes. Like I'm sure all lovely blokes. But when you look at years gone by, Eddie Jones preaching this idea of finishers and this idea of like last 65 minutes, get the get the cavalry on and blow a team away. I'm sorry. Me, me playing rugby. If you bring Youngs and Ford on, I'm not panicking. Yeah, it's interesting because, especially with the, if you look at the pack, like the the starters and the replacements have switched around. So, like Genge and Luke Cowan Dickey used to come off the bench, and they just do seem like players that are, are better suited to that than Marler and Jamie George. We're 100%. Brilliant, brilliant players, but like it seems like it would work better the other way around. And this, the, the, ben, the, the backs, yeah, I think it's almost like, I, I, unfortunately, I think Joe Marchand's a good player, but I just don't think he's, he's good enough. I think Daly's yeah. the perfect bench player for us, and I don't know why we're now trying him again at centre. I don't, I don't really think yeah, I don't. Eddie Jones reckons he's a good enough outside centre to be our outside centre. So, so why are we kind of persisting with that? Um, so yeah I agree there's a little bit of it seems a little bit muddled the thinking there I also yeah, I also I, agree on the back row I'm like Courtney Laws has been one of our best players for ages and is obviously captaining the team but the the back row of the, the six seven eight balance doesn't look right they don't seem to be the best kind of combination so I don't know why. There's obviously a reason that Itoji and, and Laws don't start together in the second row, haven't done very much at all, if ever. Um, maybe they're sort of two similar-ish players, but um, you know, if you're looking further ahead, and you, I presume you want to get Sam Underhill in that team as well, um, maybe that's a, that would be a better way to go and you can have a back row with Curry, Underhill and Dombrandt. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think the Ireland game. Also, Go ahead. Sorry, yeah, on that as well. I think like I, I just did. I thought you'd find this interesting. That's why I've held off saying it, but till now, like the I looked at that, looking at that eighteen game unbeaten run when obviously England rugby was just on cloud nine. Like the people they were bringing off the bench, then that was the genuine finishes. Like that Six Nations when they finished with the the daily score in the corner against Wales for the Jonathan Davies kick, and then they beat. Um, France at Twickenham by a few points. They're bringing Danny Kerr on for Youngs, where you think, actually, yeah, that makes sense. Brings so much more energy, so much more pace. They brought May on for Noel, where you're like, right, just out and out, energy, pace, get him the ball, see what he can do. And you're bringing Teo on for Joseph, who I think, you know, big Ben Teo running at tired centres, that makes good sense to me. You think... Like, uh, like, and I'm not, I'm not claiming to be some sort of rugby tactician, but that that computes, that checks out for me that you 
would get tail over the game line, gain line, and then outside the back of it, you've got the pace of May, you've got the speed of Ball of Care. That just all knits into place. And I think they've got to, they've got to have a look at that. I mean, Christ. I mean, yeah. I might say what they need to have a look at. Yeah, I guess in 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 the past we've had the luxury. It, at the moment, it looks like a bet. So, like you said, the the bench is like the bench when you play rugby at school. It's like the players who are just not quite as good, and they yeah, come yeah. on at the end. But yeah. like previously, we've we've had the depth to bring on players that are like genuine, like world class blokes to bring on for twenty minutes at the end of a game. Yeah, yeah, I guess, and that you know that won't go away. Like if Farrell comes back, you know, is he going to go straight into the starting team? If Tuolangi's fit as well, like I think Slade's been one of our best players for the last six months or so. So, and and is he a fit like the guy that you want coming on towards the end of a game? Possibly not. I mean, yeah, it, it all it all depends how it goes at the start, right? Like if we're you know ten points up, you think Youngs and Ford, loads of experience, you know, that's quite a nice combination. But on the other side of it, if you're if you're not if it's not going so well. Do you have something to really, you know, change the game? Um, um, yeah, I'm with you, with you every not. step of the way, brother. But talk to me. Talk to me about Ireland so far. Then you seem to be incredibly confident of their chances at Twickenham, where they've not won since 2018. Um, so tell me, why is that? Yeah, I mean, the I, I thought it was going to be, you know, having watched them in the autumn, beating the All Blacks, that was unbelievable. Um, I know. Other than that, we had a pretty quiet autumn like we faced a pretty subpar Argentina side that was the only other real you know in inverted commas test that we had um but that first game against Wales we came out of the blocks I know it was a I know it was a poor Wales team in terms of just had a lot of players missing not poor players just a lot of young players um and I thought some of them were brilliant but ultimately Ireland ended up giving them a bit of a smack um and then I I think that scoreline against France, I must admit, I, I think that scoreline against France flatters Ireland a little bit. I think they were never really in it. Like, to only lose by six points is great. Um, but I thought France, you know, for 80 minutes were a class above. I think the way, not to get too nausy, but I actually, like, was... I, I thought I thought before I'd jot down the, the players, because in that game, it was just so evident to me that France were just winning the game line with every single carry, like every single carry, no matter how hard, no matter how hard we got off the line, no matter how hard we tried to hit them, it would be gain line after gain line after gain line. And when you give people like Untamak, Fiku, Penno, who we've waxed lyrical about in the past, um, Jaminet, that sort of space, you, you're just, you're asking for trouble. And when I was jotting down those blokes that won the gain line, I think I jotted down, yeah, I jotted down eight out of eight forwards. Like you've got, Cyril Bai, Antonio, Marchand, uh, Willemsa, Wokey, Jalanche, Audrey, all those blokes, massive blokes, just like it's impossible. They're, you're just always going backwards. It's so hard to play against. And when you've got a nine like DuPont behind them, it's just grim, to be frank. Um, yeah. And then obviously at the weekend, we just almost got given a free pass. And I think... We'll come on to predictions later, but I think that Italy games won us the championship. I think we'll win the championship off the back of that. Because um, we've got, you know, we've got fi- a points difference of 51 points. I don't think anyone else is going to make that up. I mean, well, the only teams that it matters if they make it up are England or France. And England or France haven't made it up because they've already played Italy. So, we're... 
Okay, so let's. Why don't we go on then and talk about the games games to come? Because we can get on to obviously the the the, the next big one that we've sort of set up already is 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 England Ireland. You've made it quite clear that you think that Ireland are going to absolutely smoke them. Um, I'm not so sure, and the reason for that is there's there's I see I see I take your point about the back row. I think if we had a if we had a fit to Alangi, I would be pretty confident. Without that, without that, I can said every England fan ever. Yeah, I can share. I can share uh, your views to an extent. I can imagine Ireland turning England over at Twickenham, and I think, like I said earlier, I, I, I didn't. I don't think we'll lose both games. I don't think we'll win both games. I can imagine us. The game against France is the sort of. It's a bit like when we played the Springboks in in the autumn. It's the game. One, I was going to say the exact same thing. It's the game you can get up for, and you're the underdog, and. You know, it's it, it'll just be a case of going to Paris and you know line speed, smashing some blokes, turning the crowd around, and it's. I imagine it's the sort of game for these, like for international players, that you just dream of because no one thinks you're going to win, and you just rock up, pumped, and give it. You know, throw everything at it, and that was like the Springboks game in the autumn was that. You know, everything just came off. Freddie Stewart couldn't drop the ball. And, um, you know, those performances come along every now and then. Um, It was, you know, an England-Ireland in Dublin, you know, when we we went there and pulled out a performance, Ireland were on fire and England went in as underdogs. This Ireland game is trickier because it's a really good team. They're coming to Twickenham, so you're expected to win, but actually you haven't quite figured out your team. Um, so yeah, I, I I'd see it going that way round. Maybe a, maybe we'll struggle against Ireland, and then I can see us pulling out performance against France. Yeah, I I think I think the the reason I just and I, you you know better than anyone I've spoken about sport enough with you that I'm not one to get overconfident about rugby matches. I'd always err on the side of um pessimism going into a fixture because I just think it's I just think it's easier to handle when you end up getting battered. Um, but I just think looking at those two sides, looking at that Ireland side and looking at that England side, the games that England have won, I mean you can't even include the Italy game, the game that England have won, um they they got the jump in the in the forwards. They they stole a lot of ball, they won an awful lot of penalties. And I think actually Wales are probably guilty of a bit of ill discipline. That one thing that can be said about Andy Farrell and the style of the style of coaching he's created or he's adopted in Ireland in Irish rugby is that they're so disciplined. They really are. I know there was that moment, the Amani Red, uh, the year that Wales won it, which was a flipping nightmare to be honest. But other than that, you know, the, the commentators said it against Italy when Italy went down to thirteen. That ref was looking for anything to ping Ireland and and even the scores up. Like just subconsciously, he was looking to ping Ireland, and Ireland was squeaky clean. And they'll do the same against England. They'll go out. I mean, it'll be Soslaw now that they'll go out, and they'll <laughs> there'll be a red card in the first five minutes. Game will be over. But I think I just think that back row is so good. I I think Van der Fleer is looking better than he ever has done. I think Doris, Caelan Doris, is is the best find in Irish rugby in in years since Dan Levy. Like he. 
you know, 23 year old bloke. He is an animal. Like he is, he is an absolute animal. Like the try he scored against the All Blacks was outrageous. He's been probably our best forward this championship. I love the bloke. Um, you know, him against Don Brandt is a really cool battle. Like both, you know, really young lads, well up for the fight. I think Smith against Sexton is a pretty funny battle. You've got like a 23-year-old against a 36-year-old, but probably two of the, you know, I, I was going to say two of the best 10s in the comp, but that's actually farcical because the 10s in this comp are unbelievable. Um, and then you've got, and then I think another really key battle, what you were just saying about that South Africa game is Stewart um, against, you know, potentially Michael Lowry, where you've got a bloke who's five foot six and not really proven under the high ball against a bloke who's six foot four and is absolutely unbelievable under the high ball. Yeah. Um, so I think there's some really interesting battles. I, I'm, I'm not saying that Ireland is just going to go out and pump England by 20 and, and walk hey. off, but I just... It that sounds exactly like what you're saying. <laughs> I will just say I'm 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 probably going to withhold uh, publishing this podcast until the result of that game's come out because it will break me if you're right. But if you're <laughs> wrong, if you're wrong, this is going to be some of the wrong. best content we've ever. Delivered. If I'm wrong, there's sound bites all over the all yeah. over the show. But I like that you've uh, made the colours to the mast. Yeah, I just don't, honest, I don't see. I don't, I, don't see have a great, I don't have a great deal of confidence myself. And even as I say that, you know, us going to France and putting in a performance, I can also see it swinging the other way. And the thing I would say about France is, we talked about this the other day, they are, maybe this is a bit of a, bit of a sort of basic take, but they're like the New Zealand that we've been used to watching, right? They, they're the most exciting team to watch and they're also the, the unplayable team at times where... They just go bang, bang. Like the two tries on the weekend, like suddenly you, you've not Crazy. really done too much wrong and you're two tries down and they've gone the length and, you know, they, they're always going to score points. And it's just like, if you have your absolute best day, you might beat them, but otherwise you're going to get smoked. And yeah. what I would, but the difference I think is that New Zealand were at the top for so long teams then worked out what they need to do and it's just whether you can do it on the day. But I don't yep. know whether, maybe it's just that I don't know, but I don't get the sense that teams know exactly what to do against this French team yet. And so it used, you know, for a few years past, it was like they had a massive pack and they had, you know, they were a big power game with Bastaro and Vakatawa. Yep. It was like, okay, if they get the squeeze on, it's difficult. But if you move them around, like that's it's, the way yeah. to beat them. Now, you've got like this blend of, they've got obviously, they've got the power game, they've got the flair, and then they've got these like nuggety players in between, like the old Aldrites, people like Fiku as well, who just doesn't really do too much wrong. Julian Dotti. They've got a goal kicker who's just going to knock over penalties. So yeah. it, it's tough to see how like how you go about beating that team other than uh, a French meltdown. But, you know, that, that used to be like they were good for a meltdown, you know, every, every other game. But at the moment... Yeah, the, the, the only thing... So. And, I, and I know this is also going to sound like a really basic comment and I, and I hope it's not boring listeners, but the only thing I do think about the England-France game, and the reason I think England will go to Paris and do them is that 
I think for that game, looking at that style of rugby that the French played against Ireland, they pick Underhill, they pick Curry, they pick Dombrand, they pick Itoje plus one, whoever they fancy on the day, probably Yules, I would imagine, unless they probably, go back to us. They'll probably pick the captain. Well, you think they go Laws? Well, I think Curry will somewhere. captain. I think Curry will captain. Genuinely, I don't, I, I don't know if they'll go Laws for that game. That's kind of what I was getting to. I think they might let the... And then, like that New Zealand game in the semi-final, just... And I know everyone loves to return to that because it was just the most unbelievable game ever. Um, and still, the, probably the best England performance I've ever seen. But get off the line and just melt people. Just like, just take take the gain line away from the French. And then from there, let's see, let's see what they do when they're playing behind the gain line. Let's see if they can do it. Um, and I think, and I think, I, I, I think that's why they'll go to Paris and win. But I mean, it's obviously based on you know a World Cup match from 2019. And France could absolutely thump them for all I know. <laughs> yeah, well, either way, they're both going to be belting games. And yeah, what's, been, what's, what's nice is the teams generally, like, so let's, the three best teams, France, Ireland, England, honourable mention to Scotland who beat England, okay. But yeah. they've all got, it, they, these are not teams that are built just purely on power. Like, I think, you know, you look at people like, Villiers, Untermach, Dupont, obviously, even Darcy Graham, Michael Lowry. There's there's room for those sorts of players in these sides. Like no, they're not just they're not just um, you know def- defending and kicking people out of the game. Like all of these teams have got individuals that can produce moments of <laughs> flair and stuff, which is is great to see in this day and age. Maybe, maybe the uh, the era of pure physical dominance as a as a as the best way to win again rugby are over. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. I mean, I you, you'd love, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. I think I think one thing is for certain that this this little um, this little pocket of games with Ireland, France, and England going head to head is going to be a ding dong. It is going to be unbelievable. Dilly ding, dilly like, dong. France have got to go to the Principality. Not an easy place to go, but I think they will. I, I think they'll give them a smack. England, obviously, Ireland. Then Ireland hosts Scotland on the same day that France face England. What is quite funny is that the first ever Super Saturday when I went to a pub and got absolutely melted when I was, when I was at uni, I sat in the Skyrack and I had about 15 pints of San Miguel and a couple of plates of nachos. And it was one of the great days. And I've done every Super Saturday ever since. Um, the final game, do you remember that year when England had to beat France by a certain amount to win it? And it ended up being like 51-36 or something obscene. Yeah, they, um, they, it was the, the year that they had that Naikatasi guy playing on the wing. Yeah. The, yeah. the French guy who just could score the most outlandish tries. Yeah, and I think this year, Eng- Ireland will beat England. Ireland will beat Scotland. They've obviously got a far superior points difference based on that stupid game the other day against Italy. And I think it will go France against England. France needing to beat England by like probably 30 points to win the championship. 
And I think that could be lights out rugby. It could be Bedlam. Just, and and yeah, let's yeah, just say I'll have the same amount of San Miguel. <laughs> and the same amount of nachos. <laughs> out of solidarity, I'll join you. It'll be about 9.30am in the morning over here, but that's no problem. <laughs> Just before, um, obviously, that, those are the highlights. Do, can we see any upsets in either Wales, France at Cardiff or Ireland, Scotland in Dublin? Any danger? The only, the only upset that I was going to say, and I know this is going to sound like I'm just being controversial for the sake of being controversial, but I think Italy might run Scotland close in Rome. Yeah, that's a great point, actually. I hadn't even I hadn't looked at that. Just because the way Scotland, not because they played dreadfully against France, but they were dreadful against Wales. They were, I thought they were really poor. Coming off the back of that England win, they went back to a style of rugby that can only be described as like, you, you remember when Scotland went, how many Six Nations did they go through without scoring a try? Didn't they go through like two and a half Six Nations and they didn't score a try or something stupid? I don't know. It's a great start. And it was like, Jesus, these blokes to watch. It's painful. And even with Finn at 10, and I know he got a yellow against Wales, but even with Finn at 10, it was like, this is, this is dire watching. Then they've, then they've hosted France at Murrayfield and they've taken a bit of a thumping, like not admittedly due to French brilliance more than their own ineptitude. But now they've got to go to Rome and, Italy are feeling hard done by after going down to 12 men against Ireland. I think they are, I think they're hurting. And I actually thought on the first day against France, when they only lost 37-10 and they were in it until half time, I thought Italy looked really good. Yeah. And I also think Kieran Crowley is a decent, decent coach. I think, I think he's got them doing some good stuff. I really like Lamoro. I really like Garbisi. Um, I think Zanon as a 13 is a very good player. And I think they might... Obviously, Ioane on the wing is mustard. I think they might... I'm not going to say they're going to win, but I think they could give Scotland a real scare in Rome. Yeah. And you just, as well, for Scotland, for the, the players that they've got, you know, basically the tournament, there's not a huge amount to gain from it anymore. It's not that easy to get motivated to go to, go to Rome at this point. You know, those, those players, you know, Basically, they're always going to be mad up for an England game, the opening game of the Six Nations, yeah. of course. You win that game, you know, they're, they're starting to think maybe this is the year they go into the next games and they slightly flop. And so, yeah, I yeah. think just sort of psychologically, do they, do they have the energy to go and back it up? And as much as I love, as we all love Finn, you, you wonder whether... You know, he's always going to turn up on the big occasion. But yeah. is he is he going to grind it out for you at the Stadio Flaminio? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think... But watch I, this space. I think that could be a very interesting one. In terms of what you said about Wales-France, I, th- I genuinely think France are too good. And I just think that Wales team is a little bit too... It's offering one thing. I, I think... I actually was really surprised um, how much Cuthbert added at the weekend. Like, yeah. I hated the fact that they dropped Reece Zammett, but Cuthbert was actually mustard. Yeah, and, um, good, and I thought good him and Nick Tompkins. Well. Yeah. Cuthbert, having basically been abused 
he, he got some pretty horrendous treatment back in the day when he was completely out of form. And, you know, he's a, he's a lion. He's a hell of a player on his day. And yep. he, was, he, must, he is as strong as a horse. I'm, like, no one can tackle him. He's an absolute... No, he's incredible. He is. Um, um, and so that was good and, him, and Nick, him and Nick Tompkins, I thought, went really well. Um, they've yeah, obviously got... They've got Tompkins kind of stole Runyon's career, so I've never really been a fan, to be honest. Yeah, he's not for us. We're Team Runyon. Team so Runyon on this podcast, please. Yeah, for me, it's Runyon over Tompkins all day long. Like Runyon runs over Tompkins all day long. Is Tompkins everywhere Runyon, he goes? <laughs> everywhere he goes. Is is Nick Tompkins getting in the old Willie's team? Like genuinely, is he getting in? Hey, centre centre in the old Willie's team is not is not an easy place to be. So I'll tell you that for free. Yeah. So I mean, you know, not for, not for me to say, not for me to say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think. In terms of yeah, so Wales, France, don't don't see it happening. Ireland, Scotland, you know, it's one of those weird ones, isn't it? You would it could it happen that Scotland go to Rome and lose and then come to Dublin like with the absolute bit between their teeth? Like I don't, I don't, I personally don't. I think they'll, I think they'll fold in Dublin. I think Ireland, Scotland's always a weird fixture. Scotland, like Scotland, have a real tendency just to roll over and die against Ireland. Like look at the yeah. world, like both. The World Cup, that first game of the World Cup in Japan, it was pathetic. It's, like Scotland, I mean, it's, it's almost like the. And again, this comes back to why the tournament is so good. Is that basically for every team, like Italy, obviously just completely excluded from this. The England game is the England game is the big game, right? So everyone wants to go and beat England. France can beat anyone. You know, throughout the whole tournament, France can beat anyone and lose to anyone like throughout the history yeah. of the tournament. And then Italy can basically feed off the scraps of the team that is down and out and they might be able to beat them. Yeah. And then, but they need them to be completely demoralised and unmotivated. <laughs> and like, if, if that dynamic plays out, Italy might get a win. And if it doesn't, they're fucked. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's just, it, you're absolutely right. Like Scotland, basically, maybe they just, don't dislike the Irish enough. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Um, yeah. They're just yeah. too, too nice to them. You can imagine Finn's over there. He's like, can't wait for the night in Dublin. Ali Price to say. He loves it. Copperface Jacks. Yeah. Just I mean, a night in Copperface Jacks on the VKs. Exactly. Try, I mean, try and get him to focus on the game and not the night out. I mean, that's, that's a tough yeah. gig in, in Dublin. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, so how do you see the table ending up? I've got, I've got, my, own, I've got my own thoughts. What do you, well, it what do you sounds see like we actually, we actually agree on most of these calls. I, I think France will... Oh, it's difficult because France is the best team in it, but your logic with the Ireland thing, I, I can actually see that playing out. So, the points difference, at, the moment, at the moment, Ireland are points difference plus 67 and France are plus 51. France yeah, have got go. to go to Cardiff and host England. Yeah. And Ireland have got to go to Twickers and host Scotland. I, I just I don't think they're going to recover that point. Let's, just, let's, let's, just, let's just to have a bit of a difference of opinion. I'm going to back France. I'm going to back yeah. France to put plenty O points on Wales in Cardiff. <laughs> and and then uh, the, the table basically stay as it is, more or less. Yeah, fair. 
Um, but yeah, I think I think you're probably right about those those two England results. I think we might lose to Ireland and beat France. And um, I, oh, I don't want to agree with you on everything, but I think maybe let's. I could get behind an Italy result over Scotland. Yeah, I, 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 I quite like that. As a, I, I might even, I might even suggest that we pump that out on social media this weekend. Try and drive a bit of interest for an Italy versus Scotland, an Italy win in Rome. Because I mean, when was the last time they won a game? Was it 2015? You put me on the spot there. Sorry, yeah, no, that was grim for me. Sorry, I, I, I wasn't actually expecting you. No, I, I think I, I feel like I've read a report before saying it was 2015, but like. That's now seven seven championships ago. Mm, Let's get Italy a win. Yeah. Let's get Italy a win. Let's get them a win. And Fingers crossed they can do the trick. And on the 19th of March, you have a day of 2.30, Wales versus Italy, 4.30, Ireland versus Scotland, and then 8pm, GMT, Le Crunch, you have France against England. It is going to be a belter. 19th of March. I'm sure you don't need this podcast to tell you to get it in your calendar. But holy crumbs, it is going to be brilliant. Yeah, can't wait for that. That's a 6am start for me over here, but I, I'm happy to embrace that. Yeah, um, it's, it's well, a big day for you, boy. Yeah, so hopefully our predictions come true. We're going to get this pod out there. Hopefully you've got it in time before the next round of fixtures. And you can respond with whether you think we are smoking something or whether you think we are bob on. We'd love to hear any feedback you have. And um, yeah, we look forward to bringing you more sort of niche content over the coming months. Absolutely. And I think it's just worth mentioning that um, although this is obviously a lighthearted podcast about, about sport, um, we're obviously um, everyone at the moment is being affected uh, emotionally, and you know e- everything that goes with it, um, with the situation in the Ukraine. And we, you know, aren't, aren't going to discuss it um, because there's obviously so much to discuss, and it's an incredibly tragic scenario. But uh, we want to mention it, and we're also going to post some post some links in the bio. Um, for ways that you can you can support and make donations, whether that be aid and uh, supplies or whether that be monetary, um, it's obviously uh, yeah. And we we hope that um, this, the situation improves very soon. Um, but it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you again, Coxie, and to record a pod. It is always brilliant fun. Um, absolutely love that, and I think we've got you know we've got a lot of rugby to look forward to. Absolutely. Yeah, good to be back. Cheers now. Cheers now.